This is the Steelers Standard on Steelers Nation Radio and Podcast on Steelers.com. Last chance for the Steelers. Bradshaw trying to get away. And his pass is broken up by Tatum. Tipped off. Michael Harris has it. And he's over. Michael Harris. Had the ball and a deflection. Five seconds to go. He grabbed it with five seconds to go and scores. When you talk about Christmas miracles, Here's the miracle of all miracles. Watch this one now. Bradshaw's lucky to even get rid of the ball. He shoots it out. Jack Tatum deflects it right into the hands of Harris. And he sets off, and the big 230-pound rookie slipped away from Warren and scored. If you happen to be watching NBC on December 23rd, 1972, that is the call that you heard when Franco Harris made the immaculate reception, giving the Steelers the win over the Raiders. Unfortunate news for Steelers Nation. We all woke up to this morning on Wednesday of the passing of Franco Harris last night, the sudden passing. Very unexpected. He was just doing media yesterday and and talking to people and probably having the time of his life in the week leading up to his Jersey retirement on Saturday night and the celebration of the 50th anniversary of the Immaculate Reception, which officially takes place on Friday celebration set to take place on Saturday. And Jacob, you know, you, you said before we turned the mics on, it's, it's a weird adjustment that you have to do now. Mm -hmm. We were all geared up to having such a silver lining in a season that was not the best as far as the Steelers are concerned, but we could all rally around this great night celebrating mm-hmm. Franco playing the Raiders on Christmas Eve and, you know, kind of just isolate the experience there and have a, a really joyous and monumental moment in Steelers history. And now the tone has almost changed towards, yes, you still celebrate his life and celebrate his legacy, and it is a great one, but there's a fair share of mourning that now comes with discussing Franco and the lead up to his night on Saturday when his jerseys when his jersey goes into the rafters and number 32 becomes immortalized. Yeah, I was also saying aside from his health which clearly we were, we were not aware of the extent of the condition, we were saying this must have felt great for Franco, right? All season long getting ready for that 50th anniversary uh a while ago NFL Films named it the greatest play in NFL history and we knew going into the season all the celebrations or all the commemorations that would happen for this for that play this season, uh, given 50 years of such a monumental time span. And I'm sure Franco was loving, you know, being around people. That's what you've heard about the guy, uh, just how kind of a human being he was, how good of a man he was. And I'm sure he was loving the opportunity to see all these fans and all of these old teammates and and people within the organization and people still on the team like Najee Harris. I mean, we we've seen that Najee Harris um, really looked at Franco as like a family member, someone they were very close, unexpectedly close to, uh, despite the age gap and the generational gap, really, if you want to go that far. And it's such a shame because we know the great, we know the man was great, we know the player was great, we know the play was great, and. The timing is just so unfortunate, and yeah, the conversation really does have to change. I mean, you still want to, in his honor... Yeah, yeah, absolutely. 
be positive and enjoy the experience, but it's it's going to be hard to do it without him. Yeah, it kind of changes from instead of a celebration of, you know, the play and, you know, the the man in person. It's kind a of celebration a memorial of his now. life yeah. in whole and a yeah. memorial. Yeah, it's a good way to put it. Um, I've already seen downtown or down on the north side the Immaculate Reception plaque outside, flowers, terrible towels already being set mm-hmm. in front of it for Franco Harris as the entire city mourns. You know, Mean Joe Green is pretty much synonymous with the Steelers, but Franco Harris is right there. I, I don't think it's a coincidence that the first two numbers that go into the rafters no. are those two numbers. And I mean, how about that? The, the fact that it was just announced that he'd be joining uh, Joe Green as the only the second player, really the third player uh, in franchise history. True, true. But those two, I mean, just carried those 70 Steelers on their shoulders. And I love the quote, Art Rooney II, I think, re- brought it up that his dad, the chief, had about Franco. Uh, before Franco got here, we lost a lot. Before, before, or, we, or something like we barely won. Well, and after think, Franco got here, we never lost. I think like, it was actually Joe Green who made that. People say people credit Joe Green for being the best player in franchise history, but he's always very humble. He says, "I appreciate it. You know, I was here for a couple of years before we started winning. We only started winning when Franco Harris got here." Is what what he always said. And I think a lot of people don't realize, or at least maybe in our generation, and, and that's the other thing. We have such a different perspective about this. You'll, you'll hear from Wolf today, obviously, mm-hmm. in the days to come. You'll hear from uh, former teammates as they do hits on radio shows around Pittsburgh of Franco that can shine a light on him a lot better than we can because they were with the man. They, they mm-hmm. played in games with him. They were around him a lot more than us being a part of that Steeler fraternity. Uh, and even for us as fans, you know, we— didn't see the Immaculate Reception. We were not even a thought. I mean, my parents were like four years old in 1972 when it happened. But it has such a lasting impression and such a legacy that even newer generations of Steeler fans, kids born in the 90s, kids born in the 2000s, they know who Franco Harris is. Mm-hmm. It's it's like a rite of passage. If you really want to be a Steelers fan, let me sit you down and educate you on a few guys. And Franco's at the very top of that list of the guys that you have to you know, pass down those experiences, those memories to the newer Steelers generation. So, you know, for us, he's almost even more larger than life than Mm -hmm. people that saw the play, people that grew up with him as a player that they rooted for, people that played with him on the team. It's almost like he's more of a surreal figure to us because of how um, the reverence that people spoke about him, not just as a player, but off the field too, how nice of a guy he was. Everybody has a Franco story, it seems like, about him just not just being a great player, but a great human being off the mm-hmm. field. So uh, it, there's just some aura about him when it comes to guys like you and me in our generation. I mean, you get off the plane in Pittsburgh International Airport and you see a statue it's, and it's a tr- you have to take there's, the picture. It's, there's a Franco Harris statue and there's and the George, George Washington, Washington statue. It, it, and I can't, I can't feel more bad for the George Washington Legacy because uh, who cares about the Washington? Because it, because all the pictures are taken with Franco Harris as they should be, and it's it's really surreal. I think is the way that I would describe today and and how a lot of people feel just mm-hmm. because of the suddenness to it. I think, but also just the kind of figure that he was in this community, in the city as a whole. The city as a whole is mourning today, no question. Yeah, for sure. It, a lot of people can say, you know, who's the most important athlete to a city in the city's history? 
Pittsburgh is very fortunate to, to have, have a lot of those, a yes. lot of those people. But I think the very first one, maybe if not the second, because Bill Mazeroski in 1960 with that home run over the New York Yankees in Game Seven to win 10-9 to win the World Series, maybe was the first guy. But I think Franco Harris is 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 up there. I mean, not just up there. I mean, he is he is there. And of course, and to not only be a player of of great caliber over a career, right? He's not only in the Steelers Hall of Honor, he is a Hall of Famer. Well, at the time too, when he was playing, well, yeah, he, he was, was the considered best running back ever, right? Ever, like Jim Brown, maybe the only one that people would posture up as potentially being better. Walter was, Payton was just coming in, so it was really there was a Franco, point in time yeah. when Franco was the NFL's leading rusher mm-hmm. all time. I mean, the guy won team MVP his rookie season. He made the immaculate reception his rookie his season. His rookie season. <laughs> I, mean, I mean, so that's what I was trying to say is he not only had a great career, but it was it began with not just any play, but the play. And I think for that reason, coming onto the scene that early and then having such an illustrious career, right, on a team that prided itself on defense, right? This guy won this guy won a Super Bowl MVP. What, his third year in the league? 1974? First year they won. Yeah. He was a pillar for the Steelers and a massive part of that dynasty in the 70s and really the reason why it got jump-started in 1972 um, when he made that reception and put the Steelers in the forefront of everybody's mind in the city. You know, It was a Pirates town really up until that year and the way they won that game, despite eventually losing in 1972 to the undefeated Miami Dolphins Mm -hmm. before they would win their Super Bowl and solidify the only undefeated season in NFL history. The tides changed. It was Mm -hmm. now a Steeler town. People were hungry for the Steelers and ready for the Steelers. Absolutely. Uh, Coach Tomlin had his press conference yesterday. He had a brief statement about Franco Harris. Wanted to play that for you right now. Here's Coach T's thoughts on Franco. He's just a special man. Um, Forget the player. Um, Obviously, I never knew the player. I know the man. And um, just what an awesome representation of this this organization, this community, a guy that embraces um, all the responsibility that comes with being him. Um, I just admire his passion for Pittsburgh and, and, and young people. Um, he served a long time on the board with my wife, Pittsburgh Promise, and his passion for others in this place uh, and the Steelers is unparalleled and it's, it's to be admired. See, just what Tomlin said right there. I didn't really know him as a player, but I knew him as a man, and he couldn't get much better as a man. And that's kind of where we're from right now, too. You've met him maybe in passing once or twice, you know, say, hey, Franco, how you doing? Never sat down with him like a Coach Tomlin would have and, and gotten to pick his ear. But even in passing in the hallway, you know, a scrub, 24-year-old carrying a bunch of radio equipment mm-hmm. through the Steelers' halls trying to get the— Hey Franco, how's it going? Hey, what's going on, man? You doing has no good? idea who we exactly, are exactly, but, but he'll t- as kind as he ever. will make the mo- he'll have a smile on his face, make small talk with you. How you doing? How's your day? You carrying a lot of stuff? Make mm-hmm. sure you get to where you're going. All right, all right. Have a good one. He would give the time of day to anybody in that building, and uh, a guy that is propped up as much as he was, rightfully so. I mean, he's one of the all time greats. It could go either way, I think. You know, a guy could get those kind of flowers thrown at his feet and be like, oh, I'm the man. This is Mm -hmm. awesome. You could tell Franco genuinely loved and appreciated all of that. Like, he he felt 
I don't want to say that he didn't deep down feel like he didn't deserve it, but he never took it for granted. He always appreciated the love that the city, that the fans, that the fellow teammates would show him, and he gave it back tenfold. So uh, great player, Hall of Fame player, but an even better man. And I, I know that's a cliche to say when someone passes. It's 100% true in this case. He He was an absolute gentleman and a pillar of this community and a guy that didn't walk away once it was all said and done you know I mean he Mm -hmm. was around Pittsburgh forever you would see Franco out and about a few times a year no question in in the Pittsburgh area he he loved being a part of this area and he loved still being a part of the legacy that is the Steelers hanging around the facility hanging around the guys now and you jumping on chalk talk with Wolf and Fryermuth just a couple just weeks ago last he, week, yeah. he he loved to still be a part of things and be around and it's obviously a blow that you're not going to have him around because of the football player that he was and you can reminisce about him there but it's a loss for the community as a whole to not have that kind of man, that kind of humanitarian still walking amongst us, still doing great acts phil- phil- philanthropically. That's a terrible Philanthropically. Word. <laughs> Thank you, there sir. You uh, I think one thing that really sticks out to me is it's about the man and it's about the moment. Is And you, you've heard so many people say it. Tomlin just said it himself yesterday, saying he's met, he alone has met 75 to 80,000 people who claimed they were there that day in Three River Stadium yeah, yeah, for the yeah. Immaculate Reception because you want to say that you were there. You want to say you were a part of history. And then he said something like, or everyone always says like, and then I met another additional 20,000 people who said they were the one of the people who rushed the field and got to Franco and, and celebrated with the team on the field right as the play had ended. That's just what people want to do. They want to attach themselves to that memory. And to no fault of their own, right? Every, if I were alive, Tom, that day, I guarantee you, you and I would probably be doing the same thing. You know, if that play happened today, we'd be saying, oh, yeah, I was on the North Shore, man. I was there at the stadium. I rushed the field. How could you not? It's the most historic play in, in NFL history. Of course we would. And I think in that for that, right, you want to say that you were attached to that moment, have a specific memory to that moment. But I think what makes it so much greater, Tom, is the humility of Franco Harris, right? Ever since that day, it has been not just a career-defining moment, it's been a league-defining moment. And to be the center of attention on that play can really change who you are as a person, right? You Like, like you said, you can, you can really just have the flowers be thrown at your feet and just expect gauntlet after, like, chalice just being handed to you. And, and having everyone bend over backwards for you. And that's entirely the opposite of how Franco Harris carried himself. From the 1970s and all the way up to the 2020s. It, it just, he never changed. That play, despite being a history-altering play, it never changed him. And what a look, you know? I'm just looking oh, at, I'm just looking at, fro, I'm looking at pictures incredible. right now. I'm looking at his pro football uh, reference page and... The fro, the goatee, the sideburns. Eh. He was a superstar, man. He was a superstar in the 70s. And, again, it can't be stressed enough just how important he was to that Steelers organization. And he he gave them that second piece of their identity, right? Like, Mm -hmm. the steel curtain was building. You had Mean Joe Green. They played some tough defense and started to build that identity. And 
that of course is always going to be the the identity at the very front of the line for the Steelers is that defense and the steel curtain. But offensively, they needed something, and that something was in the form of Franco Harris running the football, and, and Rocky Blyer as well later running the football. They had a, a great one-two punch, but Franco allowed them to impose their will on opponents mm-hmm. on the offensive side of the ball. It and, wasn't just the defense right, they stifling were, the offense. It was it was Franco running it down opposing defense's throat that really complimented 89 yards team. per game, uh, averaging around there. Uh, he scored 14 touchdowns in 1976 on the ground for a career high. His rookie year, I mean, just a, an outstanding campaign that had him finish eighth in the MVP voting and, of course, was the rookie of the year with 1,055 yards. And 10 touchdowns, 10 touchdowns as a rookie. Mm -hmm. Uh, You want to talk about hitting the ground running and hitting the ground in stride. Uh, Had some injury problems the following year in 1973, and then, I mean, we all know what happened in 1974, and the rest is pretty much history, as he and the team ran downhill to becoming the greatest dynasty of the 70s. And There's only one other dynasty you could really argue realistically that might be better than they are. Uh, they're not any further down than number two in the history of the NFL, and and Franco is right there at the top as far as guys that made that dynasty happen. On the defensive side of the ball, it's Mean Joe, and all respect to Terry, Lynn Swan, mm-hmm. all the great players on the offensive side of the ball, but that was Franco's offense. Yeah, it, it was. That's that's the league. That was the league identity at the time, right? You saw you didn't see guys like Tom Brady or, or Peyton Manning airing it out every single play. It was a run first league, not just a run first offense in Pittsburgh, Tom. It was everyone wanted that running back to lead their team. And Franco Harris, as we've said before in this show, on this episode, he was the best running back in the NFL at the time. And by the time he retired, many considered him to be. Number one, if not number two, only behind uh, who would it have been? Uh, Joe Br- or Jim Brown, maybe. Maybe Gail Sayers was up there, but he had such a short career. Franco was in that conversation, and everyone covered it of Franco Harris. And with the recency bias, too, and it being mm-hmm. done in the Super Bowl era, you know, as opposed to Jim Brown and Gail Sayers not being a Like, you know what I mean? Like, people just, I think, put more weight into his performances. And I, I do really believe that. Uh, you could be split between him or Jim Brown, but there was a strong contingent of people when he was done playing football that thought Franco Harris was the greatest running back to ever lace it up and step on the field. Now, I think some people have maybe passed him, as that always is the case once you start getting more and more modern. You know, records are made to be broken after all. Mm-hmm. Uh, but to at one point hold that mantle, to have a strong contingent of people think that you're at number one in the history of the league. That's an amazing accomplishment. Even if it doesn't last, you know, forever, um, at one point in time, you were still considered, and reasonably so, one of the best at that position to ever play. So I'm very interested to see what Saturday night looks like now. Uh, Like we said, very different tone to the festivities, but at the same time, I think there's going to be a lot of remembrance and a lot of honor Mm -hmm. towards Franco. Um, Do you think now possibly... A couple more alums show up than originally planned. I think it's possible. Yeah. I think maybe some last-minute flights be booked to Pittsburgh, mm-hmm. maybe to to get here to be with Franco's family. Um, 
I'm I'm just really feeling for them today, and that's going to be a really hard night to get through for them, but also I think one that they're going to look back on and remember very fondly for a long time. It's it's like having a funeral home visitation with the entire city, with the entire NFL watching you, the the family also, of football. It's it's I agree with that point, and at the same time, it's similar, but at the same time, you could say, but it's like a party, right? It, it's like a celebrate. There's a game going on. Well, that's what funerals are supposed yeah, to be, really. They're you not know, supposed, supposed to, be, to celebrate yeah, you the don't, life. You don't yes. want to be bogged down by the loss. You should you feel to, the pain. Yeah, right. You should feel the sadness, but you should also remember that he had an amazing life and an amazing impact on the community and the Steelers, and you need to celebrate that as well. And I think they'll that that will happen on on Saturday night and. You know, I think the Raiders, too, understand just the magnitude that he had in the NFL as a whole. And I, I really think that they'll probably do maybe take a knee or something like that, a moment of silence while they do a moment of silence for him. Or mm. maybe they honor him with maybe, maybe they wear a 32 patch on their jerseys. I don't know. But right. I just think that his impact is beyond just the Steelers oh, because of how much of a, a factor he was in those 70 Steelers teams and how much of a factor or how much of a pillar he was in the NFL community post retirement. He's, you know, still around and still a prominent name in the league. So way I, beyond, it I, goes way beyond Pittsburgh. Like, like exactly. We've, we've I, I could see it. the Raiders being a part of this in, in a special way as well. The, the NFL considered Franco Harris, one of its best players for such a long time. I mean, even today people talk about how great of a running back Franco Harris is, I believe, uh, a couple of years ago um, when the Steelers had its 100th anniversary or something, it named its top 100 players. I believe Franco Harris made that list. Of course. He's not just some guy who made a play on a really great team. He had a career that was highlighted by the greatest play ever in NFL history. So it goes way beyond, way beyond Steelers or Steelers Raiders or the Steelers in the 70s. This this is a this is a man who represented the league ever since he came into the league and long after he retired from it. Now, some interesting theories being posited about, you know, ways to honor Franco. Um one of them that you've said that you've seen on the internet get some traction is Najee Harris when he's introduced on Saturday night coming yeah, out how with do you the feel 32 Franco one? Harris jersey on. I love it. Because it's very well established from Najee from the Steelers that Franco and Najee had a very close relationship since he and it got works drafted out. To I Pittsburgh. mean, all you gotta do is change the first two. That's true. It's yeah, very you have the Harris, there. you have the second two. But I, I think it's it's very appropriate for him to wear that thirty two Harris when he comes out of the tunnel on Saturday mm-hmm. night because of the relationship he had with him. If yeah. it was just you know the rookie that just got drafted. Barely saw Franco Harris, maybe met him in passing when he got drafted, and he runs out. Or if it was like a, and no offense to this guy, like a Benny Snell, just someone who's been around and wants to, wants exactly. to do his part. Exactly. I, I understand why Benny would want to do that, but yeah. maybe not the most appropriate thing. Mm-hmm. With Najee, I think it's spot on. And, you know, it's it's very well documented, and the Steelers just tweeted out yesterday about how Najee and Franco would text just, all the time. just had such respect for each other. Yeah, and Franco would guide him and help him along and, and text him things that he needed to know, answer any questions that he had about the position, about playing for the Steelers, about the city. They 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 were like family. Najee felt like he was a family member. I mean, how often do you see, Tom, young players come into the league and disrespect their predecessors? All the time. All the time. Not as much in the Steelers organization, though. They do a really good job of drilling in 
These the guys history, are absolute yeah. legends. These aren't you pay just, them respect. These aren't just people who played the game in the same uniform that you did. Exactly. They, they are your elders. And by the way, they walk these halls a lot. Like our, yeah. our alumni come back a lot. You're not so. just going to hear their names right. or see their numbers. You're going to see these people in the flesh. Like we go to Latrobe, mm-hmm. Franco's going to be around. Like they're always there. Yeah, right. It's That's a great point by you. It's not just uh, a season thing, right? There are many events, right? Training camp, mini camp, the draft. There are times, there are so many opportunities the Steelers give their alumni the chance to come back and interact with either fans themselves or current players. Who drafted Kenny Pickett? Who made the announcement? Franco Harris. Yeah. He's a fabric in the Pittsburgh Steelers community, uh, and he's woven into the fabric, excuse me, of the Pittsburgh Steelers community. Mm-hmm. And I keep using the word pillar, but it's just so true. He's It's what it he's is. He's a pillar. He's yeah. a cornerstone. He's he's a Mount Rushmore Pittsburgh Steeler, hands down. Yes. I don't think you could ever debate it. I, I mean, the guy, you could, Tom, I think the best point you can make about the impact of Franco Harris is you can take away the immaculate reception and the the perspective or the respect of him is unchanged. I agree. He's that he has that the career much more of an retrospective and the respect of the man are completely unchanged because that's the thing. And you were saying it a little bit earlier. Yeah, that play is iconic and will live in infamy forever as a top five NFL play, no matter what. Maybe best play in Steelers history. You mm-hmm. could definitely put it there as well. But the career after that is what right, the, solidified the crazy... him as oh, great, not just a great play, a great player, an all time great mm-hmm. player. Another ridiculous thing is that it happened his rookie year. Yeah. So, yeah, like you just said, everything that came after that was also equally impressive. You had a little bit of fun with uh, numbers earlier before we started. Some poetry here. Yeah, do you when want me to pull that up? number 72. Okay, so. Harris. Let's, let's throw that out before we wrap up the so episode. So, 72, right? He was drafted in 1972. 72 was the first season that they had a playoff win, thanks to Franco thanks Harris. Thanks the Immaculate Reception, which happened in 72. So, the game is to be played on Saturday. Correct. That's three days from now. Three days is 72 hours. So he passes 72-ish hours before he was going to be honored at the age of 72. Yeah, I mean, there's just a poetry to life, right? Right, there really is. And that's another example of that. When you see something like that, there's just some sort We're not going to get into anything, you know, spiritual on this show, but... It really raises an eyebrow when you see things like that happen, right? Mm-hmm. It, you feel like there's some sort of natural flow going on in the universe. So, uh, very poetic. The number 72 with Franco. The number 32 will forever be enshrined in the Steelers' rafters, and no one will ever touch that. No one has touched that number since, but officially no one will ever touch that number no. again. I mean, maybe Najee Harris on Saturday? Maybe. Uh, see, I don't think see, he should play in 32. He should just run just out run of out tunnel 32. in 32. Yeah, exactly. I mean, the Steelers, we know they have a ton of those old, like, legitimate from the 70s jerseys. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised either if you have the entire team run out in 32. Yeah. Like how the Penguins, when Malkin had his 1,000th game, everybody mm-hmm. wore 71. Crosby did the same, same thing, thing right? with Cros- Yeah, so I wouldn't be surprised if they do that either. Um Tough to transition into talking football after this. You know, I, I don't think anybody really wants to break down the game on sa- Saturday on a day like today, but you got to do it. You got to go out there and try to get a win against the Raiders. So we'll switch gears in the next episode. We'll talk Steelers Raiders. We'll get into uh, some more football talk 
Uh, but R.I.P. Franco Harris. Yeah, absolutely. A true legend and someone that will be sorely missed in the Steelers community. I think, I think you know, when you talk about the legacy, too, really quick, you and I were born 30 years later, or 20-ish years later, right? Mm-hmm. And we still feel like we were able to watch that career unfold just because of how much it's talked about and how much it's respected. And I think that's a huge testament to the man and, and the career. Right, people who were never there to witness it, any of it, not just the one play, feel like they were there. No question. It's an experience that's passed down from generation to generation, Mm -hmm. and will continue to do so. Uh, Subscribe right now to our Share the Steelers Standard. Every episode we do is available for you to download, and you can subscribe today through the Steelers mobile app, the iHeartRadio app, and wherever you find your podcast. He's Jacob Recht. I'm Tom Offerman. Like I said, we will transition into talking some Steelers and Raiders next on the Steelers Standard.